0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canamints Podcast. This is Volume Eleven, Issue Five Hundred and Thirty Six, and today we're going to talk all about virtual racing. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we've got Chris O'Regan, hello, Carl Moon, hey everyone, and Tony Atkins, hello. Welcome, one and all. Virtual racing, also known as or stylized as V Stop R Stop V dot R dot V period R period, however you want to put it. Um, Back in 1992, it was pretty cool just to call your racing game VR and make it sound like virtual, virtual reality, but it was, it was VR for virtual racing. But if you ever see the logo, it's normally got that VR somewhere incorporated. What is it? If you don't know, I mean, it's 30 years old, you may not, <laughs> but it was an early 1990s arcade racing game in the Formula One style with polygon graphics which was uh, not quite a new thing, but it was a relatively unusual thing at this point. And it was also, well, we'll we'll talk about the cabinets that it came in and uh, and the technology and the excitement that it brought. But let's start with some memories and some experience with the game. Let's start with Carl.
1: As many of you and obviously many of the listeners are aware, I, I did get brought up by the seaside north and south of the country, so... When arcade releases uh, came about, it was never that difficult to find them, particularly if there were major releases and I remember this was a really interesting part in you know um, arcade history, uh, going into the kind of very present you know polygonal days and whilst this obviously wasn't the first, it was the you know a start of a series of, of polygonally driven um visual games that definitely stood out from the other cabinets around it and I remember um walking in and seeing this big old virtual racing machine and and kind of half loving half hating the look um and it's something that's always stuck with me about it is that the the I I kind of loved the fact that I felt like it was chunky and I could grab hold of it and I, I I also disliked the fact that it wasn't pretty like other games. And that's how I felt at 8. That's how I feel at 38. Um, But it was definitely striking walking into that arcade. But yeah, just, I guess, walking in, seeing, you know, is this what Virtua means, These, these big, chunky 3D graphics? And then, you know, obviously all the games that followed. But yeah, just had to play it, had to play it, had to have the 50p. Off my parents, uh, uh, and go and enjoy it, and and have that rushing, overwhelming feeling. And um, that very few arcade games had the presence. I think of being sat in, strapped in, holding the holding the wheel, and having these uh, graphics like we'd never seen before. It it was one of those real moments. I don't want to say it was like a. It wasn't a revolution. It was definitely an evolution. And as I've already said, to some appeal, I had less appeal graphically to it. But there was just something in that moment that was very, very special about Virtual Racing. And that is kind of, it makes me smile. It's one of those arcade games. I think back when I was a kid, eight years old, walking in, seeing the cabinet going on it. It's just a big smile.
0: Tony, do you remember the arcade
2: machine at all? I do. Not dissimilar to Carl's Because although I didn't live near the coast, about 30 miles away from it, but um, my father had a boat and we used to go down oh, to the, nice. I call seaside, God. We used to go down to the coastline uh, hmm. almost every single weekend. Uh, just Whereabouts? Be- uh, well, New Haven primarily. Ah, New Haven, the beautiful the, the New beautiful. Haven. beautiful, and that had a, uh, the arcade sadly isn't there anymore, but I've had yeah. an arcade up on the side of the pier, which is cool. Um, Also for a while it was over in Ramsgate. So that was a lot longer journey from, uh, from where we are. That that took a, a long time in the back of my dad's van, uh, sat on the wheel arch. Highly illegal now, but perfectly yep. fine back then. Oh, yeah. I remember having arguments no with my brothers who got to uh, to sit on the wheel arch rather than the nails in the back. <laughs> it, <laughs> what times? Uh, and my girls complained about sitting in a booster seat <laughs> um, in the front. What can I say? Um, but no, so. Unfortunately, the the arcade in New Haven was one of those more kind of like privately run, had a number of cabinets, but mostly old stock. So the idea of having a virtual racing machine in there was probably a bit beyond their budget because those cabinets I've gleaned through research for the show, gleaned were very expensive to buy. Um, So I think it was probably a bit out of scope for that. But actually in Ramsgate, much bigger town, much bigger uh, arcades, uh, clearly, a lot more money in that area, and that's where virtual racing was found. But unfortunately for me, that's a, it, that's not in the time frame where virtual racing was released as brand new. Um So my experience with virtual racing is I, I certainly got to play it in a cabinet, which is fantastic. But also that's alongside the, the release of Daytona uh, two years, three years later. Um which was doing really all the rage at that time. Um so I my experience of virtual racing was kind of when they're not quite the sequel, but you know, the Daytona's quite a big jump up I you know, I personally find. Well yeah, the, the um, it was
0: the the model one to the model two, the textures yeah, graphics. Yeah. It I think they kind of they kind of blew virtual racing out of the arcades with their own successes. Yes,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah. so I got to play that alongside Daytona. But actually, at that time they did actually feel because you know they had a different set of charms to it you know one was very may a bit more kind of down the line you know in form of the ones a bit more you know straightly clinical yeah clinical there we go yeah. where uh, Daytona was very much as a, you know as a kid I was still like 13 14 at this time very much um, american you know <laughs> exceptionalism just bashing into my face of like in that daytona but the, the daytona noise coming across the arcade was the thing that would drag me in because that was an amazing cabinet but actually i did get to stay and actually uh, play some proper sit down cabinets of virtual racing so which is really nice to actually have that memory of looking at these photos looking at them you know the old arcade the old old arcade um with the cabinets in and seeing how much space they just took up which is you know it's not a small mm-hmm. cabinet sizable so that that was fun but um over the years I've certainly checked out and we will do you know plenty of talk on other versions that have released there there from the arcade and there's a smattering ones that I've played for the time up until the uh, the most recent Wii release which Wii. god <laughs> my goodness switch do you know do you know why that is my daughter's been begging me to get the Wii out of the, uh, out the, the okay. cupboard so she can play there, Wii
0: Sports. There sports. was a time when you could, I think, <laughs> download the Mega Drive version on the Wii Virtual Console, possibly. Mm, okay. But um, possibly. that's about as close as you're going to get with it. But, that.
2: yeah, it's it's been fun to have, that, you know, to rack in those brains and then remember the arcades, you know, though I went to as a
0: teenager. Mm. Chris, you were a little older, <laughs> just if you just don't imagine. mind me saying. <laughs> uh, as as was I, of course. <laughs>
3: yeah, um, I know. Here we go. But, yeah, slightly um, different. I'll just, just, just put my teeth back in now. Okay, slightly different right. experience. When you were
2: 52.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, now that's, that's now, I think. That's about now.
3: Um, but, no, I was actually um, in my early 20s when virtual racing arrived. So I saw it at Leicester Square, one of those arcades. Can't remember which one it was. It's gone. But The trocadero, watching, or trocadero or trocadero, somewhere It like might have been Trocadero. Well, I mean, well there there's a few of them back then. Yeah, there were. Well. And, um I did see it and I played it. Uh, I, I rather liked it. I thought it was a very precise game. Um, and uh, even back then, analytical to the last. Uh, I do remember coming away thinking, that's a bit unforgiving. <laughs> um, and oh. uh, that, that, but then at the time, there was lots of games like it. There was Hard Driving, which came just before it. And I had that on the ST and also the Amiga. And there's also Stunt Car Racer, which is a little similar in that it's a polygon racer kind True. of kind of game. Um, so I was not surprised to see it. I was like, "Oh, here we go! This is only a matter of time when all these, all of a sudden, these really polygonal sort of games were, were coming to the fore." Uh, there was just no textures
0: yet. And those and those games you mentioned ran nowhere near thirty frames a second, which no. virtual racing yeah. did. So that no. was a big, that was a big yeah. step up.
3: That was yeah. the big, big. That was the thing that really sort of me it was how it was going. The arcade version goes at twenty frames per second, uh, which at the time was was was. was, was
0: I think the arcade blade. version's thirty. The home versions are twenty. Is and it fifteen? Some, and well, uh, well, you're right. I think yeah, we'll, it doesn't
3: matter. Well, actually, no, it does matter. You're probably right. It is. 13, we'll, we'll, sorry. we'll come on
0: to all that. we we'll to that. Stuff.
3: Apologies, but it was very fluid. There you go. That's that's what matters. It ran like the Dickens. Didn't really slow down. There was popping and that kind of thing. But point is, point is, it was so fluid and precise precise that was the word so fast forward 10 years give or take and i started to gather my uh home console collection back then in the early 2000 early noughts when it wasn't expensive to do so uh like it is now um and that's when i started building on my hardware collection which is now still with me to this day uh and you know i i realized oh yeah I remember the 32x had a version of this, didn't it? It's like this killer app, it was back in the day. When I get that for a tenner, which I did, yeah. because you know you could, and I've had that ever since. So the bulk of my experience up until the switch release was the 32x version. Cool. And uh, I just played that, all thinking, well, this isn't this, this, this the? I didn't know about the Mega Drive version until after I acquired right. the 32x because. Yeah, yeah that's my my background in in video games I've spoken about it before sorry to repeat everyone, but for those of you who don't know um I was very much a computer head uh, uh up until uh the, the you know the uh late nineties uh so uh, I missed a lot of stuff uh so I didn't know about the mega drive the catalog really I wasn't really that interested in it uh i i have you know i'll recovered don't worry i'm you know
0: i'm fine now' <laughs> it's all right now
3: i'm all right now um but that's for me, so that's really my my memory. It's not so much the arcade at all, it's the 32x version, which is you know, not a, not a bad thing at all. Well, indeed. Uh, and uh, I, I'm looking back on it now, give myself a clip around the ear of like, how privileged that is to, to say that because not, not a lot of people own them and not, not one owns one that still works. No. Uh, and, I, and uh, so yes, uh, that's that's my background with it, really, sort of like demonstrated or testing the 32x for the first time was virtual racing and i still still play on it every now and again Uh, it, it is the game i go to just to test it to make sure it's all working so, uh, so yeah, it is got, it's an I easy ca- game to pick up. I
2: got to say, as a, a side note, I love it when you post pictures of your old tech. And there you are, the Mega CD with the Mega Drive and the 32x with the big cartridges on top. It's <laughs> the like Tower a Tower of power. It's just you know, a yeah. thing of beauty. People,
1: people think <laughs> PS5s are big. Have not seen Chris's stack of consoles plugged into each other. It's
0: best listener if when you hear, whenever you hear Chris talking, if you imagine a sort of Doctor Bunsen Honeydew figure, but <laughs> yeah. in a kind of mad yeah. lab of yeah. crackling wires and exploding <laughs> jars. Yeah,
2: not
3: uh, far away from the truth.
2: Trying to work yeah. out how you can catch a video off all of this in its yeah, raw yeah. form. Yeah. It's beautiful. I yeah. love it. <laughs> it's got, <laughs> it's got every- a big JVC camera, Dude. isn't it, that he uses?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, that's my my uh, yep. relationship with uh, cool, Travessing, cool. which is still valid. I like to think, so there you go.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so for me, the, the memory is all about the Brighton Palace Pier uh, because they did... Splash out on the Virtua Formula setup. Ooh. Eight eight player. What? <laughs> uh, yep. Eight, eight, eight pods side by side with fins. Uh, there's a picture, gentlemen, on your. I have uh, seen that. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's insane. Uh, it's on your show notes. With, amazing. with international <laughs> flags, with light up bits, with <laughs> hydraulics. I think it, maybe it didn't have. A, I'm not sure if it did have hydraulics, actually, but it was. It was uh it was a big vast thing that cost at the time fifteen thousand dollars, which I guess is the equivalent of a best part of thirty thousand pounds now. Um and they went for it big star. They had the cameras which showed the players' faces on monitors above the, the screens. Uh and even they even hooked it up so as you were walking onto the pier where there were like painted signs saying, you know, we've got virtual formula one, come and try it here, they they went all out. And this this was here from 1992 to I reckon about 1996, maybe something like that. I mean, because obviously they'd invested and it was still getting because of the, the kind of the, the marquee nature of it all. It was still getting people sitting on it, even if even if they had kind of more impressive games at home or they could play Daytona. The whole sitting down on an eight player Formula One yeah. simulator had a kind of cachet to it. And the nature of the graphics being as they were kind of this. it. it, it even then, they kind of maintained a sort of retro-future cool. There was something sort of because because they do, don't really ev- they never really looked realistic in inverted commas. So they kind of they kind of stayed locked in time in a way. Um, and so yeah, for it was there for about four or five years. It was at least a pound ago, and I honestly am not sure if I ever played it. No, because <laughs> yeah, because I well, firstly, I, so I was nineteen, twenty at this point. I used to go to the arcades a lot, as I've talked about many times. Um, but I used to find the idea of playing this one rather intimidating. Do you know? With the, yeah. with the camera can, on your face and yeah. the people watching and the fact that I knew it was probably going to be quite challenging and difficult. I just had this horrible feeling of wasting a pound, getting embarrassed and slinking away Do with you, the tail between my legs. You say that. And actually, I mean, I'm looking at that cabinet. I never was
2: got to see the privilege of it like that. But I did see similar Daytona ones. Um, that were the full-blown and yeah, And yeah. like you say, I had a weird relationship with in those regards. And, in, and that carries on today, I guess, with even online gaming. But, you know, because people were sat right next to you, there'd be mm-hmm. times when you could get on one of those machines, nobody else would be on it, and you'd have the yeah. 10, se- whatever, 15-second countdown, and you'd be paranoid somebody might jump on the machine and you'd have to <laughs> race them. Yeah. And you'd just yeah, be yeah. sat there going, just hit pedal faster, the hit pedal faster, get the countdown. And then you find yourself... <laughs> being able to play on your own, which was like the Holy Grail of like, I don't have to put up with all Which people. is ironic
0: really, because the whole thing about it was you, were, you wanted to play like seven humans. Yeah. But it is so funny race. that you say
2: yeah. that, because looking at that picture, yeah. I it brought back a sense of goosebumps <laughs> on my arms of like, do you know what? I remember getting on the Daytona version of these thinking, oh my God, I'm play, playing against real people. Like, yeah, yeah strangers. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so
3: weird. It, it It is just, but I'm with Leon here. I completely empathise and relate to your, plight in that you stand and go this is far too Require me to be self-aware <laughs> no but of, of course yeah,
0: at, at that age especially
2: but any arcade scenario, like you'd you'd have people which are always better at you. That the well, I'm yeah, always, yeah. but you know they would like to show off. And you know, a machine like this where it can be as precise, you'd have people that absolutely would win the race and kind of look over you and go, "Yeah, young kid, whatever."
0: Mm-hmm. On the flip side, there were a couple of coin ups that I got really good at, and I was <laughs> the one with the crowd, and I was quite happy to have the audience because I knew I was good. But climbing onto a machine, and I had pretty limited spending money at this point. Um, I guess yeah it was uh the sort of the, around the time i was I was working in a burger bar and I was either looking at uh, yeah I was looking at moving away from home or whatever and pound a pound a credit for potentially like a minute of entertainment uh is you know it seemed like a lot of money so uh yeah, so I possibly bottled it, and I don't remember ever seeing another arcade cabinet of virtual racing i I probably have seen them around I've been in a lot of arcades up and down the country, but um actually my next significant memory was renting the mega drive version which is something i virtually never did i hardly ever rented video games but this one came out with a a very high rp that i couldn't afford this was in 1994 so i had moved out of home but was still working at a burger bar and um 69.99 for a game with four tracks or whatever (laughs) it was on the home version uh seemed a little steep um so i rented it from blockbuster i remember i went to I, i worked a day worked the day Went to Woolworths uh, and bought the uh, the brand new released uh, Prodigy CD, music for the jilted generation, and uh, and then went along to Blockbusters further along the London Road and hired the Mega Drive cartridge with the SVP chip in it. So I had that for the next couple of days, and yeah, I put a, a fair amount of time into it. But then didn't really play Virtual Racing again until 2019 when uh, i saw all the buzz about the japanese release of the switch version on the eShop by m2 and it was a, a day one purchase as soon as it came out in on the european eShop, and i've been basically playing it fairly regularly ever since um setting times and blazing around those tracks all over again um so i probably know it better now than i ever did but um we'll get into yeah the the kind of the versions that arrived over the years. There's a couple of versions we haven't even landed on yet, but uh, we'll come back to those. So, of course, Sega AM R&D number two, Sega AM two, with the developer. The exception being the Saturn version, which for some reason was farmed out to Time Warner Interactive. I guess they were busy. Sega actually porting over their more contemporary coin ups at that point, and I guess they just either Time Warner or Sega thought it was a good idea to kind of go back and put virtual racing on the saturn uh, and they did uh, but it n- didn't necessarily do a great job with it more later yu suzuki of course as the director having already worked on hang on and outrun and would later go on to work on uh, shenmue and other things of course the designer is an interesting one toshihiro nagoshi this was his first full game as uh, as a uh, lead designer having previously worked on a couple of coin ops including g-lock which was the afterburner follow-up but he wasn't he wasn't senior on that one. And of course, he has gone on uh, to make Monkey Ball and F-Zero GX for Sega, which is one of the most beloved for Nintendo, for, for Sega for Nintendo, which is one of those <laughs> beloved racing games and the Yakuza series. Uh, so pretty uh, auspicious. that <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the music is from uh, Takanobu Mitsuyoshi, who, of course, we know from the Sega, uh, Sega Rally and Daytona music, which we discussed at, at length in those podcasts. He's, uh, his work is a little bit more limited here, as we'll hear, he was assisted along with uh, Koichi Namiki. Uh, there's some extra music on the 32X, ver- uh, 32X version from Naofumi Hataya. Uh, and virtual racing then, as we say, was uh, developed alongside the CG board, as it was called then, which became known as the Model 1 system. Uh, and obviously, yeah, was then followed up by Model 2 and Model 3 and, uh, and so on. It was released to the arcades in Japan in August 1992 and arrived in the rest of the world a couple of months later in October the deluxe cabinet sold for over $25,000, sorry i think i said 15 earlier. um 25,000 seems looking at the looking at the thing that sounds more right. so yeah. best part of $50,000 by today's money. <laughs> uh even the dedicated upright version had bells and whistles that made it very expensive. it included a seat and a 26-inch high resolution monitor, widescreen monitor by the way i think. um i think this was the first arcade machine with a widescreen monitor by default. uh It could be linked to other cabinets for races with up to eight players. There were also those optional live action monitors that could be placed above the link cabinets to broadcast coverage from fixed locations within the game's track. So virtual race side cameras in the same way as you'd see later on Gran Turismo and stuff like that. And at $1 per play, it was vital to create the most attractive experience possible. And the sight of multiple cabinets linked together was very impressive, said Nintendo Life when they did an article on it. In celebration of the sega ages version the single cabinet as we say existed in its own right there was a twin version which is a nice uh, red ish sit down which kind of looks similar to what would come later with the daytona and and things like that uh also from yes the nintendo life article was uh, on this on the dx version Virtual Racing employed Sega's Air Drive system, which was available on the Deluxe cabinet model. Its inclusion showed how Sega had continued to refine the technology that first appeared in Super Monaco GP to facilitate access to the cockpit the natural position. A virtual racing seat was far back, making the area seem larger than it would be when someone was playing. As soon as players sat down and inserted their coins, however, the Air Drive system activated. Players could press buttons on the machine's side to adjust the seat and a driver board communicated with the game's motherboard to activate a miniature air compressor that was mounted inside the back cabinet behind the player's location. When activated, the compressor energized an air solenoid that inserted air into a long piston behind the seat, allowing players to adjust it forwards or backwards. Built into the seat were seven individual airbags Whenever players ran their cars off the road or hit another car or part of the scenery, the air compressor inflated the corresponding airbag to simulate contact. Sega covered up the compressor by making the entire cockpit area look like part of a Formula One race car.
3: I'm sorry, this sounds utterly terrifying. (laughs) I
1: mean, mean, that's worth $25,000 of anyone's money. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's just good
2: heavens. All I could see is so many things going wrong. Lawsuits. Uh, no, but no I, I, apparently not. But that's what arcades were to me. I mean, yes, oh, no. mm, absolutely. Yeah. You you had the stand up cabinets, and you know, put, put many a you know I say quarters, God, many a, many fifty p's <laughs> in those. But no, yeah. to, to me, you know, the hi, you know, the real highlight of that that time for those cabinets is when you did get to sit in something like how ridiculous, how much money got spent onto those things, and you look at the equivalent now, and they're. I don't know. That charm just isn't there. You see them in there, and like, I'm not going to pay 250 for sitting there. Or even when it went too far, where you had the ones where they literally, you know, almost in like a space cockpit, and it's 3D and it turns you almost upside down. That's that's too far. The R360. But the, you know, this I remember back then. Like that, those were the the definition of well, definition. It was a, so different from playing on home consoles. It was yeah, this. Yeah. It was an experience. It's one of the reasons you would actually go in there and you would pay. You know, a lot of money at that time, really, in my head to sit down in one of those cabinets. It was such a feeling you just you just wasn't available um, to you. And, and, you know, once again, the way that that game looked at the time, you know, these are big improvements. And it's very hard to put that into people's
0: minds if they haven't actually experienced it around that time. I feel Seth from our forum says I first experienced virtual racing during a trip to the Wirral show in the early 90s. This was during the Sega bus days. And being a massive Sega fanboy, I remember excitedly queuing up to go inside and try out whatever games they had. I was expecting some Sonic 2 type competition, but instead they had several monitors running virtual racing. I'm not sure on the exact arrangement or how many of us were playing at a time, I want to see eight. But the whole thing was very exciting for a young me and was easily the highlight of what was often a great day out. I don't think I ever owned a console version of this, so I can't comment on those versions, but I definitely played this a lot on holidays and weekends away where there was an arcade nearby. I don't think I ever really progressed very far due to the punishing time limits, and I never got around to even trying the third track. But like Daytona USA a couple of years later, it was fun and smooth. It was a fun and smooth playing game that still has some strikingly colourful visuals that haven't aged as badly as I thought they would. The arcade machine got a couple of reviews over here in CMVG. They gave it a 90% review from one of their trips to the arcades. And over in America, in Electronic Gaming Monthly, it got a similar score, 9 out of 10. I
3: remember they used to do that. I, I remember that was a time when arcade machines yeah. were reviewed in, in, in video game magazines. Yeah, well, it made sense, not it? It's lovely. And uh, just sort of go, it's just that magical period where arcades were dominant or technology more advanced than what we had at home yeah. i don't know when the turning point was it probably was towards the end of the 90s yeah um i think that was fair, fair to say because you know you could get outrun on a saturn and that was almost not quite i know stop at you <laughs> but very close to oh, arcade okay, perfect. Well, so it was. Uh, I suppose
0: right. it was the System Thirty Two era where the the, yeah. the PS One technology yeah. was very close to Namco's arcade technology, and yeah. then it, so it was, I think it was the generation after that, really, with the Dreamcast, where yeah. the Naomi arcade board was able, to, the Dreamcast was able to run anything that the Naomi could run. Um, yeah, and there was the STV as well on the Saturn, which was. So there were some games that were literally arcade same. And of course, yeah. the Neo Geo, if you go further back. But yeah, I'd say you're right. It's late 90s when technology at home started to overtake technology, the arcades with the, the PS2, what the PS2 could do in the Xbox and things like that.
3: It's a relevant point to make. I think it's just it's, because that's what we're looking at, Virtual Racing, in that light, because yeah. it was very, very important. One of the thousands of reasons why we're covering it on this show.
0: Mainly because it's 30 years old. Um, that too. Yeah. Uh, virtual racing was one of the top 10 highest grossing arcade games of 1992 in japan and the usa no idea about europe or the uk specifically but the following year it was the highest grossing dedicated arcade game of 1993 in japan and uh, one of america's top five so it had a, a strong opening and an even stronger second year by the sounds of it according to the numbers on wikipedia anyway if you're talking about why it was a success over where others are, because others were already mm.
2: trading the ground, I just think mm-hmm. um, it could be a time and place, but more on, it's more about that kind of the energy of that that release. So for mm. me, if I kind of think around that time, like you know, outrun, although not politics, it you know there was an energy to there. Like there's a reason to come and stand on that cabinet because it was you know it was just really energetic to play. Like there's a massive amount of feedback. Obviously, I think Daytona um, took took um virtual racing to the eighth degree like it went comp- you know really so energetic it dragged you in from the outside just listen to the music mm-hmm. but i do think virtual racing over those other titles felt it had a smoother frame rate it felt more polished it felt more presentable for someone to actually you know want to spend that money and sit down in that big cabinet um yeah. you know there was a draw and a lure there that where <laughs> those other games maybe were you know pushing the boundaries of the technology so hard that they weren't quite as polished or smooth or approachable for somebody just to sit down and try for the first time yeah uh, virtual yeah, racing definitely
0: has more spectacle to it, it than does, winning run, yeah. which is which is fairly much yeah. down on the track and it's got fairly limited trackside objects and things like that whereas virtual racing has the the overhead cameras and the yeah the, the replay you, you can pick always.
2: that from it or obviously any game there's so many racing games now but there's only so many that come to the, 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 you know, the top of the, you know, the cream of the crop that people generally sit and play because, you know, they, they have all those aspects. You know, you could play a thousand games, right? But at that time, I feel like, you know, yes, there was other games around, around then, but actually yeah, it had that magic sauce that just had all those elements coming together at that one particular time that made it more interesting.
0: Sean S. Thomas from our forum says, being from a strict Christian background, arcades were no-go as a kid. I would often wander along South End seafront, looking longingly through the glass doors, wondering what delights awaited inside. Once I started a Saturday job at 15 and getting my own income, I started to venture into Townmore and check out the odd machine. And Virtua Racing was always the one I looked for. It looked like something from another dimension, futuristic, stylish and light years ahead of anything else. With cameras you could change and force feedback relayed through the pedals and steering wheel. I only ever got to sit and play it in the full car version once or twice and much of the time I spent near it was watching someone else better than me. But it hugely holds a place in my heart. So I was over the moon that of all the Sega racing games that got ported to Switch, this was the first. I've ploughed 40 plus hours into it and yet still have not placed first on that intermediate track. Uh, This is a familiar refrain. I honestly don't know if it's possible at this point, (laughs) but it doesn't stop me loving it. Yeah, I meant to re-find. I when I was googling merrily, I found there's there's actually a, a either was it was either an article or a video about somebody who's saying is it possible to finish first on the intermediate track on, on virtual racing? <laughs> I don't know what the answer is because uh, I don't think I've done it. Anyway, another significant aspect which created a whole story uh, in itself was the inclusion of the virtual cameras, um, and I if i recall correctly and i think daytona did the same thing this actually has four buttons for camera selection not just one that you cycle through which is what you do on i guess most of the home versions certainly on the switch version but it actually had like one two three four lit up buttons that you could select mm-hmm. between cockpit chase uh aerial and like first person right the four views i think you're right yeah. and this created Uh, yeah a bit of legal history that could have potentially changed the games industry in some major ways and did for a while this uh, this is the wikipedia telling of the story in 1992 sega applied for a japanese patent involving an innovative feature they developed for virtual racing changing the 3d camera viewpoint with the press of a button Sega also used a feature in later games such as Daytona. It took five years for the patent to process before the patent was successfully granted to Sega in 1997. By that time, camera change buttons had become common in 3D video games. This would mean that Sega could earn royalties from 3D video games that used a camera change button feature. Due to being a common feature used in many 3D video games, Sega received royalties from other companies using this feature in their games, both in Japan and internationally. Atari, for example, paid Sega royalties for using the feature in some Jaguar games. Sega also successfully took legal action against Nintendo, against other companies for using the feature in their games. However, in the late 1990s, Nintendo and Sony decided to work together to challenge Sega's patent in Japanese courts they found that the 3D camera change button feature of virtual racing was used in an earlier title, Star Wars Attack on the Death Star, a Star Wars video game developed by Japanese company MNM Software, later called Mindware, for the Sharp X68000, and released exclusively for the Japanese market in 1991. That game's development was led by Mikito Ichikawa, who attended court to testify. Sega's patent was eventually revoked as a result of Ichikawa's testimony. But Ichikawa himself never received any compensation from Nintendo or other companies. However, Ichikawa revealed that the Star Wars game wasn't the first either. (laughs) But the first game to use the feature was Magical Shot, a billiards game also developed by MNM Software for the X68000. Released exclusively for Japan. Japan So you have to pay all the money back. That's more interesting. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's quite a story, uh, and I guess these kind of things do go on. But uh, so, if yeah, effectively, MNM Software, who are probably not really famous for much else, actually invented the button camera change that is now in well, what ninety five percent of (laughs) video (laughs) games. I mean,
3: it's it's quite interesting to see Sega. fall into the trap of being a patent troll. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but they're not the only ones. Nintendo nope. and Sony and Namco have guilty. Yeah. They've all Namco done
2: it because that
0: villains. Yeah. But then <laughs> Absolute shockers. That, that, that leads me on to say, is. did
2: anyone else use a different camera than the original camera that you off the game with? <laughs> I've played around with all of them. I mean, I, oh, I played yeah. around with them, but I, oh, yeah. I didn't go rest <laughs> it. I'm just going <laughs> to cop it for you. I mean, <laughs> Did you just do copy? No, I just you, did, well, that kind of, I guess, what you call chase oh, cam. No, chase, 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 oh, we'll,
3: we'll, we'll, we'll talk later, but no. We, we, we now, I don't know gameplay, but yeah, I've got words. They all work. Ta- <laughs> yeah.
1: Tony, as someone who uses
3: inverted controls, yeah. you should know
1: better yeah.
2: than to question people if they use different cameras. <laughs> I, I, we'll I, I bring that up purely because, you know, in, that, in my mind, is like I'm playing the Switch version, right, and... Yeah, I start off with which, the standard con- camera control, and I'm playing it. Then I realise you can change the camera, and there was a moment of like, is is this add? Like, did they add cockpit view? I don't remember. Where no, I no, could no. go, and then I literally took a step back, had a look, and was like, no, this was in the original. They've just obviously it just yeah. it's so much more smoother been, and nicer. Yeah. But I it's I can't say I, in the... the arcade that I ever really must have messed around with it. I just went I no know, too no. many buttons, scary. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. But it's it's the first thing I do.
0: I actually, I'm kind of surprised with that. Thinking back, that the the in cockpit view wasn't the default for the original arcade machine, as they were trying mm. to sell the kind of virtual yeah. racing yeah. Bit, situation.
1: Was it? Was it, so? This was a something I was thinking when you were talking about the uh, virtual formula.
0: Um, was the cockpit view the default in that version where you're sat in a cockpit i don't think so Uh, i i think the code is the same i think i think the game i think the game still starts you in a chase cam i I could be wrong but i i think it is maybe maybe they felt that the the cockpit cam would be intimidating i don't know winning run uh the, the the aforementioned 1988 namco game was cockpit cam only um and maybe that maybe they felt that that people had scared people off thinking it was going to be too simulation. To, to be fair, maybe. in in 2022, cockpit can
2: still scares a number of people off, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yes. <laughs> this is true.
0: I go through phases with it. I've, yeah, I've different like,
2: games played. Yeah.
0: I've played, yeah, I've played like long amounts of of like Forza Horizon in in car cam because I like I like seeing the detail and I like the fact that it's kind you know in in a pretty non simulationy game it gives you a kind of sense of of realism yeah. but then other times i just want to see it's what's so, around me better so weird because i'm completely opposite it's like in in
2: forza mm. horizon it's like well this is just arcadey anyway so yeah it doesn't really matter where in yeah, yeah, yeah in like say forza's whatever seven eight <laughs> um i'm the opposite i'm like well this yeah it feels more simulation and i want to feel how the car actually is yeah. filling in the cockpit so yeah mm. for me it changes arcades mm. i'm tend to a bit more, more messy around but yeah that, it's just interesting it was it was one of those ones where it was like I can't know if they've added this in or <laughs> this.
0: No. One aspect of the aesthetics, which is obviously played into by the tech, something that perhaps doesn't work so well with uh, relatively low polygons is, uh, trying to create, recreate organic matter. And so your, uh, your polygon people, your pit crew <laughs> and your drivers on the podium, uh, kind of look pretty goofy, but in a way that I find just quite charming and amusing, um again seeing them, as Carl said, probably seeing them in nineteen ninety two, it would have been a bit like, actually, sprites are better for these characters. And in fact, if you think about Ridge Racer, the the the, the, the woman with the starter board, she was a sprite still because mm-hmm. they knew they could they could draw a better better looking girl in a bikini uh bathing suit than they could with polygons. Um but here we've got these very angular people with all kinds of clipping issues and and splits between the uh between their joints but it does lead to i didn't know about this until today this kind of this gaming legend who is the uh, the commentator <laughs> for uh for virtual racing who can be seen in a little screen within a screen when when on the kind of uh the tv presentation star replays and stuff like that who is known as mr vert polygon um and he is excellent. Uh, I'm a big I, I, fan.
3: I concur. I, I think he'd, yes, I endorse, I endorse Mr. Poly- Polygon. He's boss-eyed
0: and he's got a moustache, yeah. I think, or it could be a shadow, yeah. it's hard to tell. Yeah. He's wearing a headset and uh, and he's constantly fretting and raving about the, the, the scenes that are going on. Um, Someone's also removed his elbows. Yes, exactly. Elbows, that, elbow that, joints that, that. removed at birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, you know, Mr. Vert Polygon. Touching. Salute. <laughs> So this game doesn't have the same amount of music as <laughs> Daytona USA. No, no game. <laughs> really it right. does have the same amount of music as Daytona. It's I, got, yeah. It's got a little bit of music oh, which yes. plays every time you go through a checkpoint, and there's about four or five <laughs> yeah. uh, bits. Um, and I love them all, but it's weird <laughs> how brief they are, and they they just suddenly clip off. But they're very groovy, and I always look forward to them.
3: Why? It's like, just imagine this little jazz band pops out from the side of the bush and starts kicking off. It is a bit like that. Just because you pass a certain point in the track. And you go, okay, that's a a celebratory point. But then you realise when you're getting later on in the race and your time is ticking down and ticking down, you've got two seconds to get to that next checkpoint. You actually welcome the little ditty when you actually make it a fraction of a second. Especially when you're running on hard Difficulty, which I did earlier today, and like Ooh. oh, oh boy, oh, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. So I do welcome them, but I found that, like I said, I have visions of a little jazz band, little you know, just popping out from the bushes and doing its thing.
1: Well, it, it, it's so when I went back to this game when it got released back on the Switch in in 2019, it had been a number of years since I'd played it. Mm. I thought it was a sound yeah, error yeah. because so, I couldn't remember so it. Like <laughs> I actually looked it up, um, and, and saw nothing about it at the time. But a little bit like Chris, I like to imagine that the music is just set up at the checkpoint, yeah. and the Doppler effect just makes it fade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and that just makes makes me actually quite happy yeah. at that point.
0: Yeah. Uh, you can definitely but, hear the the yeah. Mitsuyoshi in it. Like it, it, it definitely has that um that kind of jauntiness and that quirk to oh, it. Definitely. Uh, you, I mean,
1: it's lovely. The music is really, really nice in the game. I
0: I think I'm suspect. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was partly that they, you know, Sega games up to this point had had tons of amazing background music, like playing constantly throughout games, whether it was OutRun or Space Harrier. And I don't know whether the decision here was made to keep it limited to kind of stick to this sort of slightly to give it this vibe of this simulation situation um or whether it was actually technical limitations that meant that they didn't have enough space to fit more music <laughs> in but um but yeah it's it's an interesting one but uh, no doubt um jay will include <laughs> one or two of these little stings to um to start and finish the, the show full full, yeah, length, full length full length stings for once. yeah <laughs> well, one interesting thing they did on the switch version um they wanted to add a, a full piece of music for the replays so they took an extra piece of music from the 32X version, but then put it back into using the same soundboard or, you know, the same palette, sound palette as the original arcade machine rather than the 32X sound. So that's pretty cool. Sound design overall, you mentioned Winning Run's uh, kind of oh. excruciating dentist wine. drill, engine noise, which was a very common thing for video game, racing video games yes. of the 80s and 90s. Yes, How do you feel virtual racing does in, does in the, the sound effects area?
1: I think it's much less offensive. Um, it's in a different key. <laughs> That's yeah, sure. I think that, that, <laughs> start. that probably helps. Start, uh, and, and I think there's a lot more easing off the accelerator, so not necessarily braking in this, but easing off the accelerator yeah. kind of changes the tone, so because of the, the the makeup of the tracks it feels like it breaks it up enough that it doesn't become I suppose one note yeah sounds yeah. really informative quite
3: literal it's all really informative though isn't it it's like you know when you're slowing down when it starts popping off and the the, the flares come out the back and you hear this popping sound from your car mm, and then yeah. you also know when you've taken someone over because you hear it yes this is an, it's an imported sound it can absolutely like, okay fine okay it's done i've, I've passed <laughs> them that's very useful it's i just and also when you go underneath tunnels and you get the not every version has this but most of them do where you get the the shift and, and the echo mm. sound mm. as you go underneath the tunnels and all that stuff. It's really, really it. It's not there for show. It actually does help. I've found it really useful to know when I'm, you know, when I'm using manual gears, which is not uncommon for me. It's like, oh, okay, I'm 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 slamming the gears a little bit too much here. Like, I, it's all good, all good stuff.
1: I did struggle with the the so the audio cues. Uh, for manual gear settings aren't as uh, impactful Mm -hmm. as the tech in games since where you can actually gauge whether to go up or down a gear at a specific moment or key It's it it will hit a note very quickly mm. when it is not apparent that you gear change. So there's a lot more kind of looking at the speedometer than there is, well, listening it is to it, the audio cues in that regard.
3: Yeah, it is a big red or you know number, but
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But you still got to look at kind you of the speedometer do. to to do that. But yeah. I mean, in in terms of the other effects, yeah, for, for for the arcade, it was definitely a, a move forward from what we'd had previously mm. by. 30 years on standards where we've had games released, you know, in 2022, like Gran Turismo 7, it of course, it's not in that league. But for an arcade-based, you know, quick blast around racer, do you know what? I quite like it. It goes with the the visual style. It goes with the little bursts of music. It all does fit together. Not one element feels out of place in the package that is Virtua Racing, which is really a, a nice thing to say.
0: Yeah, I think it has, for me, that same sort of charm as the visuals in that it, yeah. it's, it's technically unsophisticated by today's standards, but it does exactly what you need it to do. And the fact that it kind of, yeah, it obviously plays the overtaking sample when you overtake a car. There's no kind of subtlety or dynamism to it. It's, again, it's kind of of its time. And, you know, maybe if you came to this game for the first time now, it wouldn't have the same kind of nostalgia effect, but... But yeah, I I think it I think it's it's it kind of all ties together with the with the look of the game. It it would be it would be odd if, as Tony said about the PS2 versions' graphics, it would be almost odd if if they'd kind of looked to to, yeah. to modernise it in some. Yeah, way. Yeah, and
2: I have to say as somebody who hadn't played Virtual Racing in a very long time, up until the playing the Switch one recently, and was going off memories. Um, yeah, you know, the Switch version does a very good job at presenting that stuff, but it does actually really highlight quite how bare bones the original release actually is compared to day, today's standards. And and of course yeah, yeah. that makes sense. But as you said, I think, you know, if you were just listening to the show, had no nostalgia, jumping into virtual racing and thinking, yeah, let's have a, a you know, a wonderful time. There is a lot of nostalgia, I think, in this crew here that actually you know, yes, it is bare bones in many regards. Um and there's nostalgia I think gets you through a long way. And the sound being one of them, although, you know, it does have some really good higher schools you know going around corners <laughs> yeah. and then when you go slightly yeah. off the track like there oh, yeah, there is a, yeah, is a yeah. <laughs> there, but there's a decent enough <laughs> feedback of not yes. not just obviously the slowing down of the car which is almost like instantaneous but yeah, um yeah. the you know the, the sound of that you you know that you're about to do it before you can do that you can hang off the gas a little bit you know there is there is a complexity in the gameplay that you know outdoes the sound and visuals but you need those sound and then visuals to feed back into that still. Um, so it's got more there than I think it, than meets the eyes, but there is definitely, I know exactly what Carl is, is suggesting with that kind of one tonal sound that we know from a number of games. Although, does the Mega Drive and releases like that, how's that hold up comparatively to the arcade version and the, the Switch version? Obviously, more well, can, muffled for sure, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah,
3: it's, they do a pretty good job. Um, depends on the version. I think, out of them, yes, the Mega Drive is the weakest, of course. Um, but it it still does a reasonably good job of replicating the sound as best it could with yeah. the limitations it had. I think this biggest struggle with the uh, Mega Drive version is the, simply the lack of colors, yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, and its inability an to to do anything more than fifteen <laughs> frames a second, and it's it makes it very difficult to see what's going on. Hmm. That's really ultimately the problem with the Mega But we're, we're skipping yeah. ahead of ourselves.
0: Uh, it's okay. Um, the, I think because we're, we're going to talk about the handling and and feel yeah, now, and okay. and I think that's where they were. But I think the home versions were handled by the same people as the arcade versions, give or take. Mm. And I think obviously you're you're putting a force back, force feedback steering wheel over onto a D-pad and things like this, yeah. which is obviously always famously challenging. Sometimes hit, sometimes miss. But I think broadly they, they did an okay job. I remember enjoying the Mega Drive version of this at the time. It got decent reviews. Um, and obviously the 32X version is basically just a, an enhanced version of the Mega Drive version. Mm. So it makes sense that... Uh, that, that um, I'm that not
3: Chris sure did. if that's fair. That's not well, fair. Well, it's
0: literally true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, because it has more cars and more tracks. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so they say it the same enhances. If you could say the word enhanced,
0: and they've added some content. content. There yes. you go. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, but yeah, I think the, 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 the also gameplay for this game is somewhat open ended if you're going to come and capture or encapsulate all of the versions that exist, all six of them. So you've got the arcade and the five home versions, because the Saturn version and the PlayStation version, PlayStation 2 version, I should say, correction, um, they have extra bits of game. Yeah, they yeah. have like a Grand Prix sort of like mode and they have
0: yeah. lots and lots of different vehicles and lots of different... Which would be ideal in itself. Know. I mean, a Grand Prix seems like the kind yeah. of bare minimum for a home version, which actually they didn't incorporate into the no. into the Mega Drive version. But unfortunately, if they haven't nailed the, the actual the feel of the game, then no. it doesn't I, matter. I, so I
2: think at the time, I remember just trying to get stuff off arcades onto something like the Mega Drive at the time. I think... They were mm. just happy enough that they managed to somehow get the thing up and running, let alone add in extra game yeah. modes. Like there was a, but it, it was there was a genius it was common for it. home
0: consumer versions to have to have home consumer modes as well. It oh, wasn't yeah. unheard of. But no. I, I mean, I would say that no. from now, like
2: coming back onto the, the Switch version for a second, like you know, if you just buy that game thinking, "Oh, I'm going to play some virtual racing and not really know what you're going into," you know, you've got free courses that's and yeah. that, like, it's that's, like that's it. if you were like how long to beat uh, uh tw- yeah. 20 minutes but it's i like... guess
0: the difference is rather than a 70 quid cartridge in 1994 it was a seven quid download oh, in 2019 ab- like, absolutely yeah. and and standards
2: are completely different change i'm just saying if you know if you're really looking at you know from where we are with uh, what we expect from our games now to to what they were now this feels very very much like a literal home came home arcade you know conversion because it is well here's your tracks that you would have sat down on the screen and just played straight off from there like they they didn't add much more i mean they did loads with the actual conversion and it looks fantastic but you know if you're talking content wise yeah it doesn't surprise me whether when they went to to get it on the saturn and the playstation 2 that they were like okay well what can we add here to make it more interesting as a you know 40 50 pound purchase yeah, the PS2 know, exactly. version
0: was a was a budget game. We should say, okay. um, yeah. hence it was twenty. The twenty five hundred series refers to the amount of yen it cost, um, and then it was re released over here as part of a budget or a mid-price collection. compilation with a bunch of mm. other uh, Sega 2500 mm. series games. So yeah, it was yeah. never like a full-price uh, PS2 release as mm. such, uh, whereas it was a more-than-full-price release on the Mega Drive. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm not sure what the cost of the 32X cart was at the well, time, you, but I imagine it was about that, 50, 60 quid.
3: That cartridge was almost as big as your hand. <laughs> it was a big one. It was a big tall and-
0: cart. Oh, but let's go back uh thinking specifically, I was going to say about the arcade machine, but I doubt any of us has enough experience with the arcade machine really to talk about it. So really, this is going to refer more to the Switch version in that it's the closest we have in mm. memory. Let's talk about the handling and the feel, because for me, this is where the game sparkles the actual the even with the the pro controller or whatever you can i think you can play it with motion controls if you want tilty 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 pad um and stuff like that which may which may float your boat for me i'm just happy to play this with the pro controller and it just i just love the feel of playing it just going around corners um going up straights uh and and all that and i'm i'm a total um automatic transmission person i don't do i don't do manual i know it can help and i know it can be satisfying but it's i don't drive in real life it's not my thing um yeah and and just the combination of the the excellent circuit design and the actual handling and feel of this one car that you get to drive uh is is what makes this game fun to play every time i stick it on
3: do you use the analog stick
0: of course yeah yeah
3: because i've been playing the other versions, and they're all digital apart from the PS2 yeah, version. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but the way they way that they, they had handled the analog control on that version forced oversteer, which is really annoying. Um, so uh, I've been finding myself constantly using the D-pad even on the Switch oh. version, uh, which is very annoying. I should stop doing it uh, because I, I sort of flip between them two sometimes, depending on what I'm doing and. But uh I tried to be more. It's, it's difficult to switch across because yeah, no, you know, that makes sense. Easy. But it so feels.
0: Just... I think if you're only used to playing the 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 analog stick version, I think it um I think yeah, it, I think yeah. it works, and I think it feels it feels mm. great. But yes, you just need to be careful about not uh, not jamming it. <laughs> on no, floor.
3: no. I mean, it's very easy. There's some there's some corners. I'm not sure we're going to talk about circuits.
0: We are, but. Uh, Um, there
3: are some corners that are deeply unforgiving and will not, they do not allow for uh, any kind of, uh, wave. If you, if you slow down too, too late, you will get punished quite badly. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, but I think the handling on the switch version, I can only agree with you. It's very tight, very responsive. And I've been playing it on, on docked my last telly and, uh, it looks fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's just interesting how it contrasts with the PS2 version with all its flashy shadows and effects and everything like that's it gone. If they stripped it down and said, "No, this is the replication of the arcade game," which no one, none of you play probably, so have fun with this. Uh, so yeah, um, I think really uh, the reactive, the sense of place and knowing where you are and how fast you're going. In relation to everything else is spot on for me mm. i mean i th- I think I'd probably be regarded as the
1: resident racing game lover mm-hmm. uh in all, in all of and Rints and many a racing game have turned me off by their feel so so the the little micro touches in being able to control a vehicle now this game's thirty years old and <laughs> it's pretty incredible when you look at the level of task it was to bring a revision this robust to the Switch, mm. because categorically, and this isn't just a frame rate thing. You know, we've already alluded to the fact that the Switch version is a arcade better, double frame version. rate, which
0: they said uh, that the the code the M two coders said was the hardest thing to get right uh, without uh, because it, they they essentially had to kind of rework the background code to make sure that the game functioned the same yeah. in double the frame rate because as we've seen with famously with with things uh games like dark souls even virtual racing gets the dark souls <laughs> mentioned there it is, there were issues weren't there with the frame rate mm-hmm. putting, yeah. being too high yeah. and it affecting it affecting damage output all and stuff sorts like of that. ai so,
1: all all sorts of things yeah, get yeah. multiplied very So they had to reverse brute force. They, I mean
0: M2 always reverse engineer their ports um but sometimes they have to do more than others and I think this is one of the the kind of the biggest bites they could take off And
1: yeah and this was and it was true so if you understand even the basics of what that entails to be able to do that this is a masterful case of it being handled to the nth degree um and that comes down to two things. The handling, uh, revision on the Switch controller and the frame rate because this game is phenomenally responsive in the best way that the small... So the, in terms of the measurement of the dead zone of the mm. controller is... And the minutiae of being able to very subtly move this. A game that really does haul ass. It, like... You have to be so fast and dialed in to do it, and the game allows you to do it without fighting back in the worst ways, so you maintain an element of control. Even if I, even if you're using the Joy-Cons mounted onto the side of, of the Switch and playing it in handheld mode, it still feels phenomenal when you are steering those cars around the track. It is the best part of this game for me, in terms of this... Ver- not just this game, but this revision of this game is the way that the cars now handle on the Switch at that frame rate is what makes me keep coming back to it.
0: Tony, <laughs> it's
2: brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, apart from sitting down in a cab and, and playing it in that, which would be obviously the the ideal version. Yeah, this well, yeah. this Switch yeah. version clearly is the way to go over all these versions because it is that experience just amplified. I mean, what, what I would say is, you know, putting my modern, more modern head on it, how's this gameplay now? It is very bare bones and it is just a case of using your knowledge from many years of racing games to do your best not to hit other cars and hit those perfect apex corners like mm-hmm. any racing game, I guess. But as Carl's alluded to, the controls are tight enough where and the difficulty steep enough with the checkpoints where, you, you know, if you wish to win, you do really need to you know, take time to perfect that, and obviously that comes from its inherent background of being an arcade game. Like you pump the, the 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 money in to to get better over a period of time, and then take those skills and and show off to everyone else. So there is that inherent learning thing. You can't just jump on and do perfect straight away. In fact, that was a little strange to do do so now, which was like, oh, well, I'm, I I'm good at virtual rate. Actually, I'm, <laughs> I I didn't finish. What yeah. I didn't even fi- I didn't even come for- okay, fine. Um, <laughs> and but that was that's the charm then and that's still the charm now and the fact that this it, it runs as smooth as it is but you know if you compare it unfortunately now if you do compare it against many moderner newer releases there is some elements that it's clearly you know missing but the the charm of it and the nostalgia of playing something that is so perfect from the arcade if and better is still there you know 30 years later mm. and I, you know that has to be said but it, it is one of those ones where you do, like, you clip a car, another car, and the animation, which is you just spinning out whilst, Spin whilst out, the other yeah. car, you know, seems to slow down a tad, but then goes miles yeah. ahead in front of you. And there's a... there's a, No pole position style dying in Inferno. Balls no, of I like Daytona and stuff, we flip in the car over and, and and whatnot. Yeah, nothing as Outrun. dramatic as, as that. But there is some of those elements which there, which jar a little bit, maybe, in a modern mm-hmm. game, a sense of... Sense of like oh God that like that's a weird animation t-
0: to kick out, but also charming um the uh the the switch version includes the easy mode, I think it's called where which turns collision detection off with the AI cars, huh. which you can put on, but I think it stops you from recording any uh time trial you know uh time Where's the fun in that? but
2: no i yeah. there was a lot of enjoyment having to relearn the you know the tracks again and actually. Do oh, good yeah. enough to, to just even finish on the podium, and because it mm. and it feels because of that, it feels very much like you are you know playing the arcade version because that was the idea. Then it's just keep on you know you got what's it five laps to to get round and and yeah <laughs> six yeah. five six to get to get round and see whether you can get into that 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 top pole and that's not as easy as it yeah. sounds. They they tend to group up as well as you know the cars. You can have long distances of just. Is there anybody in front of
0: me? Like there must be because you can also play the um, the GP mode on the Switch version, which is twenty laps or something
3: like more. Twenty laps, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and yes, the AI also, or the, I say AI, but the the coding of the game is such that to to keep it interesting for back markers, it sort of randomly generates um, cars that aren't placed. Yeah, so which is confusing tail- as well. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're not. Yeah, they're not really. They're not really in the race. They're just there to to give you something to do. But I
2: mean, I I say that and it makes it sound so simple, but actually, you know, we, there is many of these home releases where it's not just been that simple that, you know, they've messed around a bit or the, the technology just hasn't been there to actually present an arcade, perfect, better than perfect Mm -hmm. version. And so that actually goes a real long way to actually have that sense of, no, I am, I'm playing what almost my mind. eye remembers what the arcade version is. And even when suddenly when you see side, side by side comparisons, you're like, wow, like actually though the arcade version was it was a lot lower resolution and you know there was a lot more polygons and Accenture, et etc.
0: Mm. Well let's talk about the the three main official original circuits starting with beginner track big forest
3: i like the bridge it's yeah. like oh here we go this is really great corner if you just hit it just at the right point mm. you can go screen through those bridges both of them yeah. um, both spans uh, at top speed if you know what you're doing mm-hmm. it's just, depending on what version you're playing uh, it's it uh but generally I, I just love that it's just one of the most uh it's, just, it's a lovely visual spectacle of having those bridges, and it reminds me when I saw them first and like, oh look, bridge racer because there's a there's a bridge or two on the yeah like, and OutRun two
0: um yeah, yeah. as well and rage racer um yeah, absolutely. and and we should say, and this, this i should have mentioned this in the aesthetic, really we sort of Touched across it, but this is although it's not the one with the song, and perhaps the one that people associate it most with. This is a Sega Blue Skies game. Like yeah. this is this is a very bright, sunny, good feel kind of vibes game, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah. I I, I do like the first try. It does a great job of teaching you um the how to the to, to handle the car because there's not a lot of braking going on, if any. Not on uh, Big Forest. No, no not really. No. If you have broke, then which is we're well, probably trying to get away from another car. Yeah, typically what you're trying to do. It. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's it is a wonderful track. It's one I can really demolish now. Yeah. Uh, for sure. It's just, uh, it's just the intermediate in inverted commas. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and actually, I'm, I'm definitely a better expert than I am on intermediate. But uh, yeah. What does everyone else think? I've been talking too much. <laughs>
2: I know, I was having to say for difficulty, it was weird how Expert Track does seem to be easier. That, yeah. and, and that, I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, well, that, yeah, let's bring them in. So, Medium Track is Bay Bridge, and this one, yeah, does seem to, to be more of a difficulty spike, whereas Acropolis, which is the third, mm. um, does have the, that's the one with the pillars, right? The, 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 is that the one with the city section with the kind of, it has the dog leg hairpin. I actually named it. That yes, bit's but yeah. that bit's tough. <laughs> yes. Um, but the, rest of, but the yes. rest of the circuit, actually, and I think I, I was wondering, is it maybe just because Baybridge, um, is it because the laps are, are shorter so you haven't got as long to overtake the AI, which is kind of on a fixed track compared to Big mm. Forest? I'm not certain.
3: I think it's, it's it's really narrow, isn't it? That's the biggest problem. Right. Think that the, and the, the the sudden change of um, direction and the the blind corners and the complex mm. corners. That's what makes that game because you think, well, that track I should say is that. Like, oh, okay, I'm safe. Oh no, I'm not. You know, that's basically yeah. your reaction to. Well, no matter how many times you play it, it's always I'm fine. No, I'm not. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's very very punishing in sort of those small moments yeah. of uh coming round a sharp bend or how punishing it is as tony's already mentioned you know you you hit the car in front you spin that's that's kind of it when it comes to the i suppose the uh, especially the intermediate track Game over spin that that's kind of same over on that track you're done. but one thing the game does really really well across all the tracks i i, I think there's some association that because it's formula racing and it's track based racing that a lot of the tracks are going to be flat but there's actually quite a lot of crests Mm -hmm. Mm. where it sells coming over the crest and not actually seeing what's there until it's right on you and needing you to respond Mm. and the game does an incredible job of that um, across all the tracks and that's one of the real things that can be very challenging is coming over the crest and having to quickly avoid a car or you know, maybe take a tight blind turn that you just didn't see coming. And in all those moments, if you kind of skim, go too far off the track, skim, that hit the back of the car, you're going to spin. It becomes very, very challenging. Um, and certainly a lot more so on the kind of the second and the third track. And then obviously Acropolis, the third track is a bit wider. It feels a little less mm. punishing than the intermediate track, but it does have that dog leg hairpin which is just very very difficult to consistently get right lap after lap after lap yeah i mean there's also
3: a turn right before it which is like this almost right angle turn to get into this long straight and on all the versions bar one there's this massive sign big rectangular sign Ah, that sort of says oh yeah i'm approaching this thing i've got to slow down otherwise i'm in trouble Saturn version doesn't have it, so <laughs> nice. you kind of forget yourself and you go, yeah. oh, "Oh, damn it!" And then you slam into it, and it's like, "Why is it not there?" And so this is because the people made the Saturn version yeah. didn't and even have the it, original code. I'm it's,
0: I'm, it's, I'm told, told even with all the tech in the modern cars, drivers still use visual points yes. of the circuits as as breaking points, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. You mentioned the elevation car. Now I am by no means a, a motor racing fan devotee or anything like that, but it is interesting having been to a couple of motor racing tracks to watch MotoGP with my girlfriend. um, It's one of the things is that the TV pictures of motor racing tracks never sell the elevation of the tracks. Whereas quite, I think quite a lot of the tracks do have quite a lot of rises and falls, maybe not to the extent of, uh, I think maybe it's exaggerated and some of the, like there's that big banking corner in, um, in, in Virtua that perhaps isn't realistic, but, but, Yeah, actually, like going to Aragon in Spain, and you see that they, they they are actually climbing and falling quite a lot on their way around the circuit. So, yeah, maybe I mean, Silverstone's pretty flat, but they're not all that flat. Yeah,
3: it's also the fact that because it's all polygons, that they're able to do hills properly. Yeah, um, that's something we can't forget. But prior, prior to that, I remember when seeing hills in Outrun, for example, like what, sorry, what are you doing here? Oh, I see, it's a
0: hill. <laughs>
3: still different. made my stomach
0: stomach lurch but yes I know what you mean it's kind of yeah, yeah it's kind yeah. of a, it was a, a, a kind of a trick it um, was a trick yeah. but
3: whereas this is actually you know you're actually rolling over a yeah. a 3D space and it yeah. made and that's that they exploited that and that's great and that's you know it's one of the many things that brought a backbeat change and yes we all saw it in Extremes on Stunt Car Racer, of course, because that was the whole purpose
0: of the yes, game. Yes, and the loop-de-loop but in hard driving, <laughs> to give it a second shout-out. Yeah. So,
2: so how does, obviously, we're talking about that that kind of reactions and coming over the hills and having to make those reactions. How does that translate to the Mega Drive version? Because, I mean, I I don't remember playing the Mega Drive version, unfortunately.
0: There was polygons, you know. I know, they, but, yeah. but just for you just
2: viewing just you standard YouTube clips on it, like there seems to be you know, drawing very close to the camera versus, you know, something like the Switch version where you have massive, you know, massive draw, you can see it. Extended, yeah, extended draw, draw. So how's mm. that? For, did things almost jump out of the screen at the last second? Is it a little bit more challenging because of that? Generally, other cars did.
3: That was the biggest problem, I think. Right. When they would appear, they would appear far too early, far too late for you mm. to react. And because the draw distance is so short and they would appear. So I did find that problematic. You got used to it. You ended up having to decipher and filter things so you could see what's going on. Uh, but it is quite jarring when you are uh, when you compare it to in the 32X version, which is quite rightly celebrated. Is that why you end up playing in top-down view? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, generally that's, that's just me cheating.
0: <laughs> 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 there was also apparently going to be a Sega VR version, which, of course, the Sega VR was canned. But yes, mm. there, would have, there, there could have been a headset version for the Mega Drive if, if Sega had gone ahead with that, but I imagine it would have sold even fewer units than the 32X did. Those of you who like to drive properly, uh, how much benefit can going manual gears give you in this game?
1: Uh, not... <laughs> Not a massive amount mm. by other games right. standards. Um, yeah, it, it, it's you. If you want to verse it versus something that I was playing last night, which is Gran Turismo Seven, mm. you play that in manual, and if you can handle manual, no one going automatic will be as quick right. as you. In something like this, it can make a difference, but it's not a huge game changing. Yeah. So if you're rubbish experience. at it
0: like me, it's probably not worth the the gamble to shave off the because you'll lose the couple of seconds in faffing about with the wrong gears or whatever. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. It, it's it. I've always used it from um, Forza days when I found myself gauging what gear I should be in for a particular corner. Yeah, like, it has oh, some handy
0: um handy yeah. guides in Forza, doesn't it? Sort of you can yeah. you can tell it to to kind of give you a. A notion yeah. as to what yeah, you should be but
2: doing. To your point, Lee, and I think about Daytona and the idea, you know using manual gears and that is night and day versus what I I generally just use automatic in virtual racing because it feels like you can just tap the brake, lose the amount of speed you need, and get around the corner fairly sharpish. Whereas someone like Daytona, you drop down a gear and do a massive power slide around the corner, and that yeah. felt so much more satisfying. Uh, that's probably mm. to Carl's was like I don't. Personally, I hadn't found there been huge. I'm sure if you're perfect at it, there there probably is a, a, a an increase, but actually not in the kind of way yeah. where just like say thinking of Daytona, like just dropping down the gear and power sliding. And if you couldn't, sure. if you couldn't do that, you'd be left in the dust versus other people.
0: Small gains, but it could be the difference between you know, getting first on that intermediate track and not. I suppose if you nail every corner with with manual gears rather than trying to. F- new bit with automatics maybe it makes the exact uh, it wouldn't surprise me if sega had tested it such so that you had to do it properly and do it well to get the to get the podium
3: possibly i'm not entirely sure if automatic um players running automatic only are are uh, punished as much as you say but uh I've I've played with both. Probably about I think it's about fifty fifty, depending mm-hmm. on how I feel. Yeah, but I just like I said, I like the idea of like, well, this is a, you know, fifth gear corner clearly, <laughs> so I better get down to fifth then, eh? You know, it's just my way of actually accelerating, decelerating, and it's it's very very fast. You've got greater control over that, whereas in automatic, yeah, you exactly. don't. You simply that's the point of it. That's it's always yeah. been the way. But I think virtual racing is nowhere near as sensitive to that kind of. There are many, many other racing games we've already mentioned, especially Gran Turismo. Since its inception, it's always been about that.
0: I can't actually remember. I could probably look at the picture and work it out. But uh, the Because obviously with, with the, the modern Formula One cars, even going back probably to around this time, it was all on the, the amazing electronic steering wheels, right? Everything's just a little button press. I can't actually yeah. remember what... Um, what what they did for for gears in in on the coin up was it buttons or was it did was uh, it surely wasn't stick sh- shift in a Formula well, One? It's got style
3: seven stuff. gears, but uh, who knows? Yeah, who knows. Nice question. Do you
1: know what I'm trying? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head because there was a whole bunch, wasn't there? I know there was an arcade game that had the paddles. I'm pretty sure this didn't. Have oh yeah, paddles. yeah, right. And then we had standard like. Up his gear, up and down his gear, down. But it wasn't. It like might be a, paddles. Actually, looking at the
0: looking at the twin yeah. coin opera, I think there's some yellow buttons behind the wheel. It could be them down and up, maybe.
1: Maybe it was this one then. Mm. I mean, I only ever played in the arcade. I only ever played the twin cabinet at most. Of yeah. the Stand up,
0: and I was scared of it. But maybe it was this one. Anyway, so yeah, um, do it if 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 you fancy it. You might get mm. some gains, and you might you might you might enjoy it more, or you might not like me. You might just get frustrated because you're always in the wrong gear. Uh, but yeah, it's worth learning as we, we've said before, when we've done Daytona and Sega rally, like AM two and Yu Suzuki's course design, I guess uh, um, we should give credit to, uh, to uh, Nagoshi as well as the, as the designer of the game. The the course design here is compelling in that no matter how many times you go around these circuits, you always feel like you could do it a bit better and nearly all the corners feel satisfying, and even even the ones that are frustrating at first. Once you start to learn the the speed and or gear that you need to approach the corner at, um, it can feel pretty pretty skill to um, go through it at exactly the right uh, the right trajectory, the right angle, and then get the best possible acceleration out of a out of the corner, get yourself back in the race. So that Mega Drive version or genesis came out in march 1994 the same time as the Prodigy's album music for the generation (laughs) i know uh it was uh, quite heavily advertised and of course yeah it came with that um hefty rrp due to the complexity of the model one board the home console version seemed unlikely until sega worked out that they could or, you know, I mean, this was nothing new. There'd been NES Famicom cartridges for years with new chips in. Obviously, we'd already had the Super FX chip in the SNES. Sega went for the Sega Virtua Processor SVP, which added some height to your cartridge. The chip was extremely expensive to manufacture, according to Wikipedia, leading to Sega pricing the Genesis version at $100 in the US and £70 in the UK, which... Adjusted for inflation is £120 today, so if you think The Last of Us <laughs> Part 1 is expensive. Uh, the game renders 9,000 polygons per second, which is many, 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 many less, fewer, sorry, than the arcade board. Uh, significantly higher than the standard Genesis Mega Drive was capable of. There there are a few Mega Drive polygon games that I'm struggling to think of off the top of my head that don't use the SVP chip, but they tended to run very slowly. Um, it outperformed the, the SVP was actually a more powerful chip than the Super FX chip coming along a couple of years later. Uh, the game doesn't run on Majesco Entertainment's Genesis 3. So if you've got a Genesis 3, you can't play Virtual Racing Mega Drive and also doesn't run on any Genesis equipped with a 32X. Luckily, you can remove the nuclear mushroom that is the 32X from your Genesis Mega Drive and still play Virtual Racing or you can just get the 32X version, which I guess is more expensive now than it was when Chris bought it.
3: Oh, I thought so. Without
0: going on eBay. Reviews for the mm. Mega Drive version were, were pretty good, actually, um, especially considering the price, which I'm sure was factored in to some reviewers' thoughts, even if they didn't have to pay it themselves. CMVG gave it an 84. Mega Magazine, 92. Mega Tech Magazine, 93. EGM gave it a 31. And Famitsu gave it a 33 out of 40 and as we've said the game ran at a maximum 15 fps which is half what the coin op did and does look that way but actually again playing it in 1994 was acceptable having been playing yeah hard driving on the amiga at like seven frames a second or whatever it was and and other games that ran even slower than that stv steve norman from the forum says My brother didn't have many games for his Mega Drive, but I reckon this still would have been the highlight, even if he had. No idea how many dozens of hours we spent playing virtual racing, but my Switch tells me I've played that version for over 70 hours, and I'd say about half of that was trying to win on Bay Bridge, which I've still only ever done once and find way harder than Acropolis, the supposed expert track. My times might mostly now be on the wrong side of the top 500 on the leaderboard a few years on, but I still know every inch of those three perfectly designed courses, and I still go back at least weekly to see if I can squeeze out another fraction of a second from them. One of my top three racing games of all time, and apart from online play having never worked on the Switch version, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. Uh, the multiplayer is broken by all accounts, which is a shame. very sad. Yeah, very
3: very sad. It is yeah. a shame. It's all these years they could have fixed it by now, but no, they just all like, there you go.
0: No, they they did. So M2 did a one final round of patches for all the Sega Ages Switch games back in 2020, I think it was, or 2021, and mm. that's it. Then they said that is end of end of life for those games. Um The budget had been exhausted. Um, and you know, these were, I think, yeah, I think they were like six, six pound by default or thereabouts $8, something like that. And they've even been re-released, uh, sorry, but uh, discounted. That's the word I'm looking for, uh, mm. at two, two or three quid quite a lot of the time. And, and you'll still see them cropping up in sales. So even with that, um, yeah, bargains, I've got the entire collection of M2 Sega Ages games, every single one of them, it will live in a folder and make me happy. Ian Ian, Ianson from the forum also says having played a lot of the Switch version and then returning to the Mega Drive version I played so much back in the day it's impressive to confirm how much of the original arcade DNA they squeezed into the old port even the very minor speed boosts you get from drafting are there almost exactly the same techniques that I used on the Mega Drive work well on Switch and by extension the arcade I guess. It all suggests that despite the Mega Drive framerate, there's perhaps something more robust going on away from the rendering side of things. In general, I think this Mega Drive port really started the ball rolling for where Sega and Namco managed to get these high-end arcade wheel-based games feeling so faithful using a D-pad culminating in that magical Saturn port of Sega Rally. Thanks to my friend Martin for lending this game to me for two entire years way back when.
3: Wow, and he gave it back. Yeah. that's 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 cool. Well done to you, sir.
0: I think I've had our own James Carter's PSP go for about eight years now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I keep it back offering, style He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, don't send it back to me, please.
3: It, it, might, Is that not
0: the payment for not attacking? <laughs> it could be.
3: I want to check the battery in that thing. Anyway, yes,
0: it's fine. It's I'm fine. sure it's fine. Uh, the 32x version then came out worldwide between december the 12th and the 16th and 1994 just in time for christmas when everyone was unwrapping their 32x's no wait totally. no. uh the 32x was uh uh famously overpriced and famously didn't sell very many no uh we talked about it did we talk about it in our mega drive podcast i suspect we did uh listen to that if
1: I, sure. th- I think yeah. so I mean I'm sure this release made literally 10 of people <laughs> yeah.
0: happy. <laughs> right. Yeah uh they even came in cardboard boxes which probably adds to yeah, the so value. I've got I've
2: had So some, I've, I've yeah. been having a quick look on eBay so you can pick up a fairly mint one for about wow. 25 to 30 pounds okay. but you mentioned Just you mentioned ooh, cardboard that. boxes oh my god there is some mothboard cardboard Yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> boxes. yeah 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 it's More not you, why yes. not they nice thing
3: to right Yeah, very yeah. Um, but um it's very, I think it's visually it's it's a real, Stark difference actually to yeah, yeah. the original Mega Drive version. Yeah. Lots of lots of polygons, lots of defined textures. It's way easier to play. It's a it's I do think it's a bit of a triumph, I'm gonna say it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's cool. Because actually there weren't that many games that received both Mega Drive, albeit in the case of Virtual Racing, an enhanced Mega Drive port mm-hmm. because of the SVP chip. There weren't that many games that had both Mega Drive stock and 32x versions so there there weren't so many that you could kind of compare and actually get a sense of what the 32x was bringing to the party because i think it Mm. more of its games were specific 32x titles and many of them you know not very well regarded so it's nice that there were (laughs) was at least one or two reasons to to have a 32x yeah 20 20 frames a second as opposed to 15 improved audio quality it was released in 1994 developed by am2 themselves Published under the Sega Sports label, performed more closely the original arcade and included two extra cars, stock and prototype, and two extra tracks, Highland and Sand Park. Chris, tell us about the new cars and tracks.
3: So, stock feels like a Ridge Racer car, uh-huh. totally. Like this is drifting. Looks weird. Constantly doesn't it? Yeah. drifting all the time. You are driving a box. It's not an F1 uh, car even now, it, right? It's like a box. No, it's a genuine, sports car. It's, it's a box, a sports car box mm-hmm. thing. And all the other cars are the same. I was thinking, oh, you have that car and everyone else has the F1. No, they, everyone is driving. So you're right. just, the whole track's riddled with these things. And it's really fun. It's really, it, it's a different type of experience because you're now drifting all the time. Yeah. So the, 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 the approach to every corner is a lot more, how could I say it, Latter-day, you know, it's like, you know, I'll be fine. Yeah. Basically, hurl yourself around the corners all the time. It's mm. great. Prototype. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> basically an experimental car that's got a high-pitched wine to it. Mm. And, um, it does stick to the track very closely. It's got a very low profile to it. Right. And, uh, not a big fan. It does go like the clappers though. Very, okay. very fast. Much faster than the other two cars. But, uh, yeah, I'm not not a big fan. I I've have delved into it here and there and everywhere. But um yeah, for me that out of the two I like stock best. Highland track? Nice no, no. it's it's a lowland, I think. It's a low light, if I may say. Oh, lots of ninety degree Highland, turns. Low yes, lowlights. Uh lots of ninety degree turns. Difficult to see where you're going. Mm. Um you regularly find yourself going the wrong way. If you're not careful. Oh wow, uh, okay. It's just just, just rubbish. Sure, so it's not so- just you. <laughs> It probably is just me, but I'm not a fan. However, <laughs> Sand Park, this is very good. Desert um, Track,
0: I assume. Desert
3: Track. It's it's, it's it's somewhat beige. Um, does have lots of tunnels and stuff like that, and really interesting narrowing and then widening of track. They really went to town with this. They decided, let's see what we could have done if we had time on the arcade version. Mm. Let's see what we could have added. And this uh, this is this is this is very good. I like this one. I do play this one quite a lot. Um nice. uh, where is it sit difficulty wise? I think it's just below um Acropolis. I think it's just below that. It's not quite as difficult as that. Um but then I think I still think the, the most difficult is is it in, in, in Yeah. intermediate. Uh, in, 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 intermediate. Does, <laughs> does the
0: does the thirty two X car have any sort of um battery backup to save your times or anything like that? Mm,
3: I don't know. Um because I have been sort of plugging away, putting my times in. They're still there, so there's obviously something going on. Okay, there. or an eeprom, um, or, a,
0: or a yeah, or a battery. It might, yeah, could well very might, well be. Might but, want to check um, that.
3: <laughs> yeah, might want to check things. I haven't looked into that. Oh dear, I'm scared now. Um, it will be not, not one of those horrible batteries, but uh, mm. yeah, I will check into that. Mm. But um, yeah, sometimes I get confused because I play it on my tower of power, which has got this CD stuff in the middle, which has also got. Oh, yeah. a volatile memory in it, so like, who knows oh, is it deb- what's
0: doing what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it
3: put it in there? It can't be because it's not recognising no, its presence. But no. <laughs> uh, there are some games. <laughs> it's a minefield. Do, yeah, yeah, indeed. That's
0: not one but, of the extra um, courses.
3: Yeah, but it does. Uh, yeah, all those those extra bells and whistles are are generally welcomed for me. They don't they don't detract from the.
2: Yeah, I, I got to say, having watched the kind of side by side fishes against the Mega Drive version, there is a there is you can yeah. see you can see the the difference. There is an upgrade. There is, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Just it was outrageously
3: expensive and no one wanted or needed it. Yeah.
0: 250 quid, as I recall, for a 32X when it first came out, which was a lot of money. I kind of wanted it. I think I just realized at that stage of my life that really I didn't need it. it. (laughs) And then then it quickly became apparent that it wasn't going to get a huge amount of support. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, it reviewed really well. CMVG gave it, Ninety three percent, so nine percent more than they gave the Mega Drive version. It got an edge eight out of ten. <gasps> and uh Ultimate Future Games, a magazine I'd completely forgotten about. Didn't last very long, I don't think. An eighty-nine percent for them. We also got some forum correspondence from Matt L who says, My only experience with virtual racing was when I rented it for the 32X. I have nothing else to add to this conversation. <laughs> I just wanted to remind everyone that the 32X was a thing. Why Sega? <laughs>
3: Well, the Star Wars game is fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> also an arcade conversion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, uh, 1995, the Saturn version came along. So, yeah, not even, not yeah, almost a year after the 32X version, the Saturn version came along. And even then, because it was a year after Daytona USA had come out for the Saturn and around the same time as uh, Sega Rally, it seemed a bit retro as i recall and yeah it's interesting that as we said earlier time warner developed and published this time warner i mean okay why um i guess they pitched and got the gig whatever else but yeah late 1995 didn't come out in europe till 1996 the frame the frame rate on this one i don't know what the actual numbers are but john lineman described it as highly erratic (laughs) which uh well, I think <laughs> Chris alluded
2: to this earlier, but I watched a documentary um, on the making of this game and it's fascinating to see how this thing came about. It's basically... This specific version? Yeah, yeah so they, oh, Sega cool. were basically... They had no interest in making it themselves. So they pitched it out. Time no. Warner picked it up. And right. as Chris alluded to earlier, they didn't have the source code... Right. For the game, uh, Sega. So, like an yeah.
0: old school arcade conversion from the eighties. So, literally, the home Sega refused era, to give them
2: yeah. the source code. So, what they Why? what they did, they took a camcorder and they filmed yeah. the actual yeah. game. Then they went back yeah. and they that is eighties style
0: guerrilla home conversion. They were um,
2: they were basically making it um, for the for the Saturn. This is pre-release of the Saturn, so they're making it on hardware which they hadn't been given yet. On a PC where they were being told the spec on a PC that couldn't do the two cores at all because barely anybody could do the two cores. So they were, So when, and actually they didn't even have debug kits. So when they were making it, the only way they could debug the game is they had to go to the Sega HQ, go to one of their (laughs) debug kits, make, you know, so they, and the only way they could do that was by going after the, After working hours, because they only have so many debug kits, do it during like one to two, three o'clock in the morning. And then um, once the people come back in for their day shift, they had to leave it. Uh, And then the only way they could also debug was it wasn't the standard debug kit. So they had to literally take chips out of the Saturn, add a new chip into the actual thing to to get it. It was you listen to the story. Was it worth, so it? Much. It, it, it's worth incre- it? It's incredible that they got a version <laughs> of this up and right. So when people say, "Well, it feels a bit off," it's yeah, I think yeah, they, yeah. Were, it's they, they were they were set a an almost impossible task because if you don't have the source code and you're literally just guessing by they were going frame by frame guessing how the
0: controls are yeah, working. Yeah. Of course, it's going to
2: feel like a facsimile because it is a facsimile of something. So,
0: why does this even exist? Why, like, it came out, it hasn't even got Sega's name on the box. Uh, They licensed it off Sega or whatever. Sega, Sega appears, but only on the Sega Saturn branding. Mm -hmm. The game is Time Warner Interactive's <laughs> Virtual <laughs> Racing. Like,
1: the logo is a cracker
0: One
3: on it. One of the most well. celebrated games on the 32X, a thing they sort of put out to die. And then they, like, okay, well, let's we've got this other machine we're coming out with. Mm. Maybe we sort of like demonstrate its power using this really celebrated racing game. Oh, actually, let's not do that. Let's outsource it instead. I mean, it made, made sense. Give them...
0: In a it way, is... because they had, yeah, it they'd made sense stuff. that yeah. they'd, already, they'd already gone to Daytona Absolutely, and Sega yeah. Rally. But but oh, Time okay. Time Warner obviously decided we'll do virtual racing. But I'm I'm almost surprised Sega let them do it and then let the or they let them release it. They let them have the name, but they didn't give them any tools to make it a decent conversion. No, it's it's a very odd what a weird game. story. A I'll link the
2: documentary because it was it, it was, fa- it yeah, was one yeah, of those no, ones no, where you could, it's just fascinating to see how <laughs> mm, it screams quality yeah. product, doesn't it? with the with the well the the
1: now
0: famous white, purple, and green car. Yeah, that is gross. Well. And I and the thing is, I you know, I was uh, I was buying Saturn games, hand over fist. At this point, I was Saturn crazy. I loved my Saturn and my PlayStation, but the Saturn was there, and and I I just didn't even. Come close to buying this because I heard no. it was not. But the, it's the got a load more content, isn't it? They of, added a, a tons. Yeah. I mean, it's probably
2: the most yeah, fitch, Prix, feature-rich
0: version of or
2: any other yeah, game. Seven
0: new courses, yeah. four new cars, secret F two hundred supercar, unlockable via yeah. a cheat code, or winning every race. The Grand Prix mode, where the players drive mm. a series of cars and tracks to earn points. Yeah, on paper, it sounds like a great home version. But if the actual core game isn't <laughs> so good, then not, play something else go and play Sega Rally a hundred times through Yeah, rather because than,
1: the, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just play Sega Rally a hundred times
3: yeah. through anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so much <laughs> wrong with it, but there's lots of bits, to say lots, there's some bits that are right with it, like racing around in the go-kart, that's fun. Oh, yeah. You know, because you get to do that and it actually leaves the ground when you go over the hills, so you sort of like a bit of jumping. That's fun. Um, there's some bits that are good, but the unfortunately, the... Terrible, terrible draw rate, and the pop in mm. is quite horrible. I mean, it c- compares poorly to the 32X version. You're like, what? What? And it, that's really bothers me about it is that how it compares those two versions. Many people do, rightly so. Like clearly, the people doing this didn't have access to the original. No, they didn't. And uh, yeah, but uh, I'd say the music's not bad, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Red Book Audio CD music. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say by eye? I don't know how sort of adept you are at doing this, but by eye, what would you say the frame rate is fluctuating lowest and highest?
3: <laughs> oh, um, I think it does drop to the teens. Yeah, most of the time. But I, it does. It does get up to um, sort of mid
0: twenties on, on. Oh, really? When there's no other cars. Okay. It's, it's not it's, like it's, it's not really... like it's aiming for sixty and plummets. It's, it's no, no, okay. no,
3: no it doesn't <laughs> do that. It's, um, but uh, yeah, it's not an unpleasant experience. I, no. I had
2: a perfectly yeah. good
3: time with it. It's just, it's just odd. Not,
2: not really uh, virtual races. Just, to to no. give them the, the the people the credit who had told that story, it was pandemonium reviews every US. Oh, cool. I think, yeah, game. So it's, nice yeah, one. that it's well worth a watch. It's about, it's, what is it? It's mm. an hour and a five minutes documentary on virtual racing on Saturn. Oh.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. I, don't, I don't know why that one but didn't come up for me. Uh, yeah. But actually the reviews weren't all together across the board disastrous, echoing what Chris just said. EGM, I guess it was a mini review because rather than out of 40, it's out of 20 and it got 15 and eight and a seven, presumably. Or a 10 and a (laughs) 5, who knows? Um, Sega Saturn Magazine gave it a 77% over here. And Maximum Magazine, the much-missed, short-lived, gave it two stars out of five. Then the next version was uh, some years later. So 2004, we've already mentioned it a bit, but uh, February 2004, the budget release of Virtual Racing, Uh, what's the subtitle it's called flat out which of course is not to be confused with the racing game series flat out which i know carl is a fan of or was until it jumped the shark and then yes the sega classics collection came out in us and europe in 2006 which contains a number but not all of the uh, sega 2500 series so this version runs at 60 frames a second the first 60 fps version of virtual racing higher resolution than the original coin-op, more polygons than the original coin-op and p- probably triangles rather than quads, uh, enhanced effects, daytime or dusk racing, giving different lighting and uh, and shadows. And it has shadows and it has reflections on the cars. This is a ground-up remake. And as such, again, the handling is not arcade accurate. You can, of course, being a PS2 game and uh, PS2 emulation is is in very strong fine fettle you can play this on a pc and crank it up to crazy resolutions Um, i think 4k uh, and make it super crispy Um, this one includes three new courses and four new cars i don't know if there's any overlap with any of the content from either the saturn or the 32x versions or whether they're all new chris uh, i think you've got the sega classics collection
3: i do yes yeah. um i really like this version. Yeah, yeah, yeah um it has a uh, rumble as well which is of nice. course yeah yeah um and uh, it's a really pleasing experience it's not the same though right i can't stress that enough as, yeah. a, as a game in of itself as a decent arcade racing game if it was called cabbage then it's fine you know or something else. Be a bit it's confusing a bit confusing but yeah um it's all I, I do actually thoroughly enjoy it for what it is, for mm-hmm. its own yeah. thing. But um, the other bits and uh, arcade stuff, it's all very similar to the set. I'm not sure if it's sort of the same, uh, but there are sort of like the, um, that's something I have to, I'll have to check. But um, uh, from what I played of it and what I experienced of it, um, I, I I feel that it's more of not so much. An advancement as an homage,
0: a tribute to. Yes, a I think that was that was the to. idea of that the Sega twenty five hundred series. Made. it did, it, by and large,
3: fulfilled its remit. Well done, and yes, involved.
0: It, if you also loaded up a, a number of the other games on that compilation, you'll see that yes, I think um, according to most, Virtual Racing was a more successful homage and tribute to the existing game than than some of the Sega 20, 2500 series. In 2008, and I didn't know about this until today. Well, I think I did because I'd watched the video before, but I was reminded there was a mobile version in Japan mm. uh, on on a Sharp mobile that that was pre-smartphone um, tech. So, pre, yeah, pre-2007 technology. The game came out in 2008, and it actually looks like a. all we've got is a bit of scratchy old YouTube footage, but it actually looks like they did a pretty decent job. It, it looks like the arcade game. It, it has say, a frame... But, uh, Frame. It, ha- it has framed, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, there's, there's no way of playing it as far as I'm, I'm aware now. Um, but it's, yeah, it's cool. good to know it exists. And yeah, so then there was an 11-year gap basically of, of official releases of virtual racing until the Switch version came out in Japan first April 2019 and then arrived in June in, the, in Europe and US and the rest of the world. Runs at 1080p, one docked, and 720 handheld 60 frames a second there's uh, one thing that our friend John Linneman pointed out on his digital foundry is that the color reproduction is different on this version but he wasn't sure whether that was deliberate or an error or a choice but the overall game has a slightly kind of lighter brighter look than the original coin op and I'm yeah nobody i don't i don't know if they've ever said why that is whether it was Part of the process, or you know, surely it's something they could have addressed, but yeah, didn't even in the final update. And as we also mentioned, it has 100% draw distance, you can see all the way to the end of the polygons <laughs> at all times. Of course, yes,
3: it's all drawn in at once, isn't it? It's that's popped it. in, yeah, Pop, all of it. There you go, all in one go. It, this tiny the little power of, the hand power of the switch, power of the switch. Yeah. That's not a phrase you don't often hear these yeah. days.
0: developed by m2 as we say a port of the original arcade version with the frame rate increased and presented in 69 also new is the ability to play online with up to two players but it doesn't work and offline with up to eight players but it doesn't really work because apparently the joy cons drop out all the time and the frame rate is all over the place and it's got more pop in and yeah and good luck finding eight people but it is quite cool just running the eight player version on a big telly and just going look that's my Switch running eight eight Sega Model 1 coin-ups at the same time. Uh, and there's actually room on the screen for a ninth, but that would have obviously changed the game again. yeah. So. yeah. Uh, the game features online leaderboards and downloadable replays for the top 50 players on each track, an additional easier steering option and a Grand Prix mode that increases the number of laps to 20. Wirtmuk Polygon also cameos in the game upon replaying a Grand Prix race. Which is uh, why I haven't seen him because I don't think I've ever played twenty laps in a row. I always go for the the arcade option. Reviews for this version were pretty positive, with it having an eighty three percent on Open Critic. Not everywhere reviewed it because it's just a little budgety game, but um, but it was recommended by all five of the 100 percent uh, of the five reviewers that they they got the data from on Open Critic. And as I say. It was like six quid when it was released, and it's often half that. And Yeah, I, I paid full price for it to do this show, and actually I don't regret that at all. So No. Alex79 from our forum says, I never played this in the arcade, which means the only version I played until recently was the Mega Drive port at a friend's house. Naturally then, I'd always assumed it was kind of a rubbish game, with, that with, what with the terrible frame rate and wonky handling on Sega's home console. However, a couple of years ago, I picked up the stunning M2 updated version on Switch, and this is how you do a remaster. 60 frames a second, looks beautiful, and handles like a dream. It's still tough as nails, still not managed to beat the third stage, but I feel like I'm finally able to play this game the way it was meant to be. I go back to it every now and then and do a few laps and enjoy myself every time. The only downside to the new version is that, unless it's been updated since I tried, multiplayer fundamentally doesn't work. Not online, not split screen. It lags, drops frames to the point it's unplayable. A real shame and a rare misstep for M2. We also have some three-word reviews of this venerable arcade machine.
3: Yes, we have uh, Luna Looney, music too short. Fairfish Pie,
1: revolutionary arcade formula.
0: Jay and Kai, which is a homonym for Jay and Kai, weirdly. Mega Drive, (laughs) Mega Drive. Robert Farley, Super Model 1. Uh, Matthew
3: Kesby, 90s realism realized. Alex79,
1: remake worth playing.
0: Billy Cupid says, game changing polygons. And Dave Salad said, great arcade memories. Dave Salad. Thanks, Dave, and all our other three word reviewers. And it's time for us to sum up. I think we'll start with Tony Atkins. Ah. <laughs> um oh god. Um sorry. <laughs>
2: no no, I just it's it's that classic example of playing a game that you have so much nostalgia for from you know the arcades um versus playing a game in a modern mm-hmm. setting. But what I will say is that yeah, I think Nostalgia plays a huge part of my enjoyment of virtual racing on the Switch, which I think is the version that probably anybody who listens to the show, if they haven't actually played it, probably should be the version they pick up. It's the easiest to access, and it's better than RK perfect. So what more can you say there? Um, I had a real good, fun time going back to the Switch version. Um, it brought back... I Jay, you know, quite often you play a game, and in your mind's eye, it's one thing, and then you go back and go, hmm, okay and that can quite often happen around those eras uh, but here the switch version is is so well polished that it just felt like i was a kid again playing it back in the arcade and having those memories um i think as we said before it wasn't maybe the first game that that jumped so deep into the the political masterpiece but it it had that special something and i think that special something still holds to this day um and yeah, there is a lot of rose-tinted glasses, but I had good fun, and it was great to hear the limited amount of music. The, the tire school realized remembering the difficulty of what the uh, the, <laughs> the game presented even to me uh, thirty years later. So um, yeah, I I wouldn't say if you've never played Virtual Racing that it's you have to like to me if I if I had to choose like this or Daytona to kind of represent that that period of my love of arcade races. I would I would always dip into Daytona, uh, because it has to me it's just a, a a more interesting game from that period. Um, or a more citable game. It, it really gets my head <laughs> a lot of synapses firing there. But I would say if you're looking at that that kind of that journey that led into into that period of um arcade races, it's a really important one and the fact that it's so accessible and easy to pick up now and such a pristine version. I'd say if you're interested in it, absolutely pick it up and give it a go. Um, but for somebody that's just coming into it fresh, yeah, I think it's it feels every bit as bare bones as a an arcade uh, conversion. But there's a lot of fun still to be had there. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I enjoyed I enjoyed my time uh, having a replay of it again for this this show, which is yeah, that's a good thing.
0: Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I don't have tons and tons of nostalgia or hype for virtual racing sort of in terms of its impression on me as a legacy game as i say i do have vivid recollections of it being on the palace pier and being a main event of kind of uh brighton's seafront scene for a while with the with the virtual formula set up and the, the fact that they'd actually kind of signposted this at the front of the pier and stuff like that it was it was something the fact that a video game was getting that much kind of attention and drawing people in from outside was sort of interesting in itself but as i say i didn't really play it so i was a fan of arcade races i was a fan of sega so it took until uh i could rent that mega drive version in 1994 because i didn't want to pay 70 quid for the for the the four tracks or whatever that version has um <laughs> and uh and had a bit of fun with it and and i still remember that particular you know those sessions i had with it and The context around it, which says something, but then yeah, really, I've didn't I didn't get the thirty two X version because of cost, didn't get the Saturn version because of quality, didn't get the PS two version because it was first a Japanese import and then it was on a compilation that I didn't particularly want. So yeah, it 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 came it came around in twenty nineteen that I finally started playing Virtual Racing properly and for an extended period, and really liked it yeah like i don't have the same level of hype for it as as tony says as daytona or outrun or certain others but in itself i really i i especially given what m2 did to it the care and attention they took in bringing it to the to the switch multiplayer problems aside it's just such a cool fun experience um and and yeah that the fact that the those visuals have that very early 90s simple polygon look albeit sharpened up higher resolution um gives it a, a totally kind of standout feel that nothing else really has at the moment it's it's kind of even among the the other games on on my switch in the sega ages collection a lot of mega drive stuff a lot of arcade stuff there's nothing else that looks and feels quite like it there have been some pretty decent retro arcade racers released for consoles in, in recent years. Um struggling to think of all the names. I think um Chris, you've you've uh, you've reviewed some of them on or spoken to the developers of some of them on Sausage Factory. Um but um but this is the real deal. Like yeah, this has
2: I, I would saying it, it runs ten eighty P docked and seven twenty P
0: handheld, right. but
2: it, it feels like a almost a four K presentation because there's <laughs> yeah. you know because it's so crisp and sharp for whatever they're doing it really jumps off the screen like a not next
0: gen but you know what i mean it really feels like it's utilizing the power of that hardware yeah yeah Mm. it's interesting it does have a yeah a retro i can't think of a better way of putting it and i've said it same same time but yeah retro future kind of vibe Mm. uh which which appeals to me um and yeah bottom line core thing most important aspect is away from all that is for me it handles it feels so much fun to play it feels so cool um pro controller for me is the way to play and um and yeah i haven't you know i can i can get around the tracks get podiums but i haven't i, I haven't mastered the game for sure and and i still you know when i play it i'm still happy if i can get a a time on the on the leaderboards
2: not not to jump into it but it, it'd be interesting if we were to do this game and the switch version hadn't been released and yeah. you kind of Different show. We were doing this retrospect, yeah. and you've got that smattering of you yeah, know, PlayStation Two release being very different. The Saturn release having its own, <laughs> literally its own game, yeah. uh, and then going back in. You know, I'm not sure I would have. Yeah, I'm not sure arcade. I, I would have scheduled it without it. without yeah. the Switch
0: version because we wouldn't yeah. have had enough ex- recent experience. Obviously, we yeah. could have we could have dabbled in, in emulation, or you know, I, I've mm. still got a Saturn, I've still got a PS Two, I could have sourced some copies but it wouldn't have been the same without, yeah. without the Switch version. No, sure. agreed. Well, that segues nicely, which obviously which I recommend uh, people pick up <laughs> if they that have works. a Switch and if they've ever enjoyed a racing game, uh, which segues to Chris. Chris,
3: Thank you. Um, so I've had a great time the past few weeks or so playing all these different home versions of... of Any uh, excuse? <laughs> Virtual racer, any excuse to pull out the old hardware, anyway. Uh, it's here. I may, as well u- may as well use it. But uh, <laughs> right, no, right. It, it's important that you know uh, that's that it's really been fun comparing and playing and experiencing them and um, enjoying them. But one thing that really struck me, the one common thread that spanned all of them over the last thirty years or so, is the sense of um simplicity of celebration of the racing line we haven't really spoken about it much on this episode this issue I should say but for me it really does to be successful you've got to respect the presence of that line and find it because it's not going to tell you where it is you're going to have to find it Mm -hmm. every track has one but you're going to have to find it and there's no assists of any kind you know, this, this is not like, you know, little red triangle or red sort of things appear. You go, oh, you're going too fast. No, you've got to figure it out yourself. Mm. And for me, that kind of way of playing is very similar to other. We have a lot to thank this game for subsequent titles, like, and I've mentioned it already, we said Daytona a lot, but of course there's a link between the two. But there's also Ridge Racer, okay, and, and, and other arcade races of similar ilk. There's so many things that are similar to it. And I just, you know, one of the things of looking at the tyre screeches and the tyre tracks to where, like, huh, I think I should be breaking there. It's just... it's, it's, It's great. It's just this kind of, like, attention to detail and deep affection being put into the making of this game is evident throughout. And, um... That's something, I, that's my takeaway from Virtua Racer. And they, even the Saturn version strikes me as uh, having this, despite everything that uh, they, they, in fact, maybe because, because they, they put so much effort into making it, then they, they couldn't help but apply some, you know, uh, sense of quality or you know, affection uh, to what they were trying to create. So for me, uh, virtual racing is about um cutting to the chase, getting to the core component of what the game is about, regardless of what that game is, and just keep on coming back to that point. And that's why I think it's such a great game,
0: fab. Thanks, Chris. Let's uh round up with Carl.
1: Yes, yeah, so kind of building on points from all of you. So, uh, Tony used the phrase bare bones, and I prefer to shape it as perfectly mm-hmm. formed. Uh, when it comes to the switch version, you know, if I think back to my love for arcade-based racing games, I, I immediately think of Daytona. You know, I, I think of that screeching cabinet, the uh, the bombast of the of the sound and everything around it. I don't think of virtual racing. If I'm going to play a Sega-based racing game, it's going to be OutRun 2 or Sega Rally. And yet, if you put all of those games next to each other neatly in a folder on my Switch for something that I am going to pick that console up and I'm going to blast on something for five minutes or less, it's going to be Virtua Racing. And that's part of the quality of the product and the enhancements or the enrichments the M2 made to the Switch version, has kind of made it the ideal pickup for five minutes. Have a blast around a track or two and just have a great time. You know whether I play it handheld, which usually I do play this handheld, um or not. If you know if I wanted to play it on the toilet, I don't. Don't worry, listeners. i, I That that's, my Switch does not go to the bathroom with me. But if you did, this is a pretty good game um, for those circumstances. If it's laying in bed, if it's, you know, between meetings, which uh, I know ne- I ne- I haven't done this in my current job. I may have done it in my last job, probably um, pick it up between meetings. Again, it, it's that perfect pocket of time filling game on the best version of it, which is the Switch version, which at seven pound was a bargain. When you consider that this game has been in numerous sales for less money. Would I recommend anyone pick it up I mean, absolutely. For me, this is one of those mandatory arcade purchases if you have that Switch console to play it on because in the moment-to-moment gameplay between any of the three tracks, you know, that you can immediately pick up and play, it's just a wonderfully fast experience that, may not have the thrills that the or the intensity that the arcade cabinets and certainly not the virtual formula cabinet which is just a hold of the league but if we're focusing purely on the gameplay and the enjoyment that we can have in those moments of playing just the game without all the showmanship that goes with it in the arcades virtual racing on the switch is absolutely incredible at what it does I recommend it immensely
0: nice budget purchases all round if you haven't got it already why not (laughs) so it just remains for me Leon to thank Chris Carl, Tony, Editor Jay, our correspondents of course you for listening next time in issue 537 Castlevania the Game Boy Adventure and it's We Wear Reba (laughs)